Our scripture lesson today comes from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Let's share in God's good word together. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. While God gives us our one and only life, we must choose what to do with it. Will we live in our own self-interest or live into something much better, greater, and even eternal? Former President Ronald Reagan gave a speech that has become known as a time for choosing. The line most remembered from that speech, which is still often quoted today, is this. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on to them to do the same. Or one day, we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States where men were free. Now, this idea has been picked up over and over again in Christian circles and quoted again. Only this time, it is not about national freedom. Now, this time, it's about Christianity itself. It has been said, especially in recent days, that Christianity is never more than one generation away from extinction. Think about that. What happens if our children and their children never experience the life-changing power of Jesus and His love? What we do today, friends, as church, has long-standing consequences for generations to come. Our faith is not something we play with or take for granted. Christianity has always been a faith that requires followers of Jesus to be all in. And over the next five weeks, we are going to look at what it looks like to be all in as a church today and as we plan for an incredible and challenging 2022. I hope you will join us as we go all in together. So this is our new sermon series, All In. And I love that graphic. You can almost feel the excitement like, oh, here we go. This is it. Let's get going. But first, I want to say this. As United Methodist, we don't agree on everything, but um, this is something that most of us agree on, that gambling It is a menace to society. It's deadly to the best interest of moral, social, economic, and spiritual life, and destructive to good government. Our church also goes on to say this, that gambling feeds on human greed and invites persons to place their trust in possessions rather than in God. It represents a form of idolatry that contradicts the first commandment. Love God with all that you are. Right? All your soul, all your mind, all your strength, your whole self. No, we don't trust in money. We don't trust in greed. We trust in God. And so, just know this, as United Methodists, we take a strong stance against gambling. And as your pastor, I have seen many, many families completely torn apart because of the addiction of gambling and how it has destroyed families, even in our own church. So, to say that. But we still love the graphic because it's all in and that's who we want to be. So this is not a sermon series about gambling, but it is about faith. And that includes risk and trust. Yeah, our faith can be risky business. It, it requires us to get out there. And that's part of the excitement of what will God do as we get out of the way. Yes, we risk our agenda. We do. We may not, it may not come out like we want, but we risk our agenda and trust God's outcome is always better, always greater, better than we can think or imagine, Paul says to the early church in Ephesus. So when we talk about church, what are we talking about? 
Here, here's a distinction I want to make for us. We participate in worship, right? We participate in worship. We sing, we pray, we read the scriptures, we pray for one another, we listen to God's word. So we participate in worship, but we are the church. We don't go to church, we are the church. We participate in worship and singing prayer and praise, but we are the church together, the very body of Christ, members of one another. We are the church, the body of Christ, connected to one another, and we need each other desperately. In the same way that your heart needs your lungs and your lungs need your brain and your hands need your feet and your knees and your toes and the whole shebang. We need each other. We need all of us as the body of Christ. Now, Paul writes to the early church in Rome in the early centuries for, as in one body, one body, we have many members and not all the members have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually we are members one of another. Around here, we know that when you get three things in the Bible back to back to back, you're supposed to pay attention. You're supposed to get it. You're supposed to catch it. Yep, one body, one body, members of one another. We are the body of Christ together, and each and every one of us, indispensable, super important to what God would have us do as a community of faith, both here at Acts 2 and around the world. So each person is important. Will you say that with me? Each person is important and has a unique gift to share with the community. That's, that's a big part of that importance. It, it's not that, oh, I'm so important, come and serve me. No, 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 no. None of us get to say that. You are important because of what you can contribute, of how you can care for others, how you can bless and pray and be there and show up for one another and for the people of the world who are hurting. That is who we are as the people of God. We are conduits of God's love, expressions of His grace, Each person in our community and each person in every church all around the world, all of us are connected, all are important, and each has a unique gift to share with the community. There are some things, friends, that only you can do. There are things that only I can do. There are things that only some of the people on the staff can do. But what we can never forget is the church is the people of God. It's not the staff of the church. It's the saints of God equipped to take Jesus' mission of love and salvation to all the world. Paul goes on about this concept. He says, we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Yet we're not all the same, right? We want unity, not uniformity. There's a big difference there. So we have gifts that differ according to the grace given us. Prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry and ministering, the teacher and teaching, the exhorter and exhortation, right? Cheerleading, uh, cheering up, the giver and generosity, the leader and diligence, the compassionate and cheerfulness. All of these things are are super important. But no one has them all. No one has all of those gifts together in one person. So when we talk about being all in as a church, what does that look like? What does all in look like here at Acts 2? Well, the Bible says this, let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lack in zeal. Be ardent spirit. Serve the Lord. Friends, just imagine what it would be like if every time someone experienced you, you were in the business of showing them honor, that it was your life's goal to show more honor to others than ever gets shown to you. And you know the miracle and the catch about that is we don't attract what we want. We attract who we are. And so the more that you actually show honor and praise and glory to others and lift them up, you actually bring that into your life because that is attractive. 
And so, friends, it, it's good for you. It's good for others. It's good for the world. We are to outdo one another, not in competition, but in showing love and honor and grace to one another. Paul goes on to the early church in Rome. He says, rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Friends, we all suffer from time to time. We, we have to trust God with it. So we're going to rejoice in our hope of Jesus. Be patient in suffering wherever we are. We're going to persevere in prayer. When we're suffering, we're, we're going to think of that as a prompt to pray. And we're going to persevere. And then we're going to contribute to the needs of the saints. We're actually going to be contributors, not consumers. We're going to go in and we're going to help and we're going to be the church. And we're going to bless the world. And we will be blessed in the blessing of others. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality, not to just the people in your small group, but to strangers. We're to be hospitable to everyone, everywhere we go. We're to be people of grace and kindness and honor. So our aim as a church is to outdo one another in showing honor. What does this look like? Well, if you're at church, particularly around Easter or Christmas Eve time, and we are packed out at any one of our services, oftentimes five services in, that, in those seasons, and if somebody shows up late that's a guest, they've not been to our church, uh, or even if they're another member and they're like, hey, I can't find a seat. If you want to honor someone, you get up and say, oh, have my seat. Have my seat. Because we are going to honor those around us. Imagine what it would be like if every person in the church, every time somebody came in, they were up and out of their seat trying to bless them or help them or care for their children. That would be a church that could change the world. That's who we want to be. Now, this honoring of others, it includes others. It really does. It includes those who don't act like us, think like us, or even like us. Right? That's a lot of likes, I know. But think about it. This includes those that don't even like us. We honor them. We bless them. We do what's best for them because that's who Jesus is and that Jesus lives in us and it is about his character, not about the other person. So we bless and honor and care for those who don't like us, who don't think like us, don't act like us, or even know us. We do our best to bless and honor every person that steps on our property every time whether that's for soccer or football or baseball or out on the basketball court or showing up for a Girl Scout meeting or an HOA meeting, um, you name it. If they're here, we're trying to bless them. We will have hundreds, if not thousands of people on our property here at 4848 West Cobell each and every week through the fall for practices. And uh, the YMC actually hosts their flag football games here. And when we see those folks, we want to honor and bless them. And if you would like to be a part of those ministries, please let us know. We would love to have your help to bless and honor our community. Not just the folks that call Acts 2 home, but anyone who comes across our path so that they too might know the love and glory and grace of Jesus, our God. Paul goes on, he says, bless those even who persecute you. Yes, even those, not just those that don't know you, but even those who persecute you. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Yes, when something good happens for another person, celebrate that with them. And we weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with who? The lowly. The lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. That is always a recipe for disaster, by the way. And then Paul goes and he says, Do not repay evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with who? All. Who does that include? All. It means everyone. Not just those who go to church. Not just Christians. All means, say it with me, 
all. And how do you do this? Well, it, it can be hard these days because there are a lot of folks that don't think like us. They don't act like us. They don't hold the same values that we hold. But even in that, the scriptures tell us this in 2 Timothy. God did not give us a spirit of cowardice. We're not to shrink back and, and get in our little hidey holes or, or be afraid. No, we are to go out and shine our light. Let your light shine is how we close every worship service here. Right? So we're not to have a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power, real power that comes from God, of love for God and for neighbor, and of self-discipline. Right? Self-discipline. So we are not to be timid. We are not to be cowardly. We are to be powerful people of love and self-discipline. And again, it's self-discipline. Well, what does that look like? Self-discipline is doing the right thing at the right time for the right reasons. Right? Is that ability to get up when you want to stay in bed. It is the ability to eat healthy food when you want to, you know, go out and eat terrible stuff that will make you feel awful uh, in a few hours. Right? Discipline is doing the right thing at the right time for the right reasons. And that is something that really you can only do for yourself. Now, Timothy goes on to say this. Don't be ashamed, friends. Do not be ashamed then of the testimony about our Lord. Nope. We, we, we lift up the name of Jesus. Or of me, he says, his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel. Suffering for the good news of Jesus. Relying on the power of God. That's how we do this. We don't do it in our own strength. We rely on the power of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. So Paul reminds the church that we cannot do this without relying on the power of God. He has taught Timothy well. And so we know that we are to go out and shine our light before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. But the key to this, friends, is self-discipline. It's not other discipline. Because all religion goes wrong when, it's discipline, when it disciplines others and gives its members a pass. And we're seeing far too much of this in the world today, where people use religion as a weapon to try to discipline others and get others in line to do what they want, which is not what religion is about at all. Religion is to help us, particularly Christianity, to help us become more like our master, Savior Jesus, a person of humility who hung out with strangers, the poor, the marginalized, who cared for the widow, the orphan, the refugee the alien in a foreign land. Religion is to make us better people, not to hold other people down. All religion goes wrong when it disciplines others and gives its members a pass. When it comes to Christmas time here in a few months, friends, if somebody doesn't say Merry Christmas to you, what is that to you? You know Jesus. You know his love. You bless them. It doesn't matter what they say to you. It's not about getting them in line. It's about you blessing them. And maybe, just maybe, your witness of love and kindness might transform their heart and their, transform their family and transform the world. That's who we're to be, people of Jesus who are transformed because personal transformation always precedes corporate transformation. Right? It's just the way it works. Hear these words of Jesus. Our master himself. He says, woe to you. He's talking to religious folks, by the way. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you lock people out of the kingdom of heaven. You're the people that say, no, you're not in. You're, you're, nope, you can't get in. You're doing that, so you, you're not in. That's what these religious folks are doing. Jesus says, don't be like that. Nope, for you do not go in yourselves. You're keeping people out of something you don't even do yourself. 
You're judging people by things that you don't even do yourself. You can't pull it off yourself, but you publicly shame them for things you haven't figured out in your own life. You know, Jesus wants us to have nothing to do with that. Right? So for you do not go in yourselves, and when others are going in, you stop them. Right? You're actually keeping them from life. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you cross sea and land to make a single convert, and you make the new convert twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Because, friends, if you're not living out for Jesus, if you're not receiving his love, if you're not being authentic, a genuine, loving person who welcomes all and lets your light shine, then whoever's falling in your footsteps, you're just damning them as well. Because you're inviting them into something that isn't life-giving. You're inviting them into something that isn't God-honoring. So what we're talking about here is so important. And why is this important? Why is it important that we talk about this being all in, particularly in this season? Because, friends, there will always be people who grumble, who complain, and who act cowardly. Now, you'll notice um, that I didn't say are grumblers, complainers, and cowards. Because I never want to judge people and put them in the category. But you and I both know there are seasons that we and others, at times, given enough pressure grumble, don't we? Or complain. I do. And sometimes I don't live out my faith fully. Sometimes I do act cowardly. I don't consider myself a coward, but there have been times that I didn't, I didn't show up as much as I would have liked as I look back on my life. Maybe that's true for you. But friends, this is always going to be around. It has always been around. Not just for hundreds of years, but for thousands of years. All the way back in the book of Numbers, right? The first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Look what it says. Then all the congregation, right? God's people, church people, raised a loud cry and the people wept that night. And all the Israelites complained. They were complainers against Moses and Aaron, who had brought them out of Egypt, by the way. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt? Oh, poor's me. Or would that we had died in this wilderness? They're not grateful. They're not thankful. They're not helping. They're complaining. It's always been that way. And our challenge is to not get there, not be there. And if we do find ourselves there, for heaven's sake, don't stay there. What the world needs is all-in people. Not complainers, not grumblers, not cowards. All-in people. That's what the world needs. And you know what? They're out there. You might just be one of them. They show up, not all the time, but at the right time and in God's time. Look how Numbers continues on. And Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, right? Pay attention to this guy. Caleb, son of, however you say that word, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of Israelites, the land that we went through as spies in it is exceedingly good land. Friends, Joshua and Caleb went and they spied it out and it was great. It was just as God had said. It was a land flowing of milk and honey. And then they said this, if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. This is what Caleb and Joshua are saying. A land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land. For they are no more than bread for us. It's easy to get afraid of the people around you. But but God says their protection is removed from them. And Joshua and Caleb are telling the folks about this. And the Lord is with us. This is great news. Do not fear them. And what is the reaction of those around them? After this incredible witness, this incredible story, this incredible vision of what is before them. 
the whole congregation threatened to stone them, to kill them, to murder them because they were trusting in God. It's real easy to get afraid these days. Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, it's easy to step back and shrink in fear and want to go back to your old ways. God's not calling you to go back. God is calling you forward into new life, into kingdom living, and what he has for you. And every time you start to feel afraid, this fear, well, friends, it's a prompt to pray. Will you say that with me? Fear is a prompt to pray. I know that when I get afraid, when my head starts spinning on the same thing over and over again, I know, oh, I ought to stop spinning on that and start praying about that. I need to stop saying to God, oh, get me out of this and start praying, God, get into this. Show me your way. Show me your will. Show me what you would have me do or set me aside and let me watch you do what only you can do. This is so important in my life that every day before I go into my office, I I wrote on our whiteboard in our office years and years ago, I think actually in 2006, right after we moved in the building, uh, this scripture, 2 Timothy 1.7, our scripture for today. God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. And so under that, we, we write down all, all the sorts of markers of, of who comes to Bible school and who comes to church and how can we care for the, the community and how do we care for church members and, and how do we care for you and what does God have for us next? Not in, and not in a cowardly way, not in a timid way, but trusting in the power of God, the power of the resurrection, the love of Jesus and of discipline, of actually doing what God's calling us to do when God's calling us to do it. So I I read that every day as I come into my office for about 15 years now. Every day I come in, I walk by that sign. And and I'm doing better because at least I'm not so cowardly that I won't let you see my terrible penmanship. But it is awful, I know. But God has good for you. Don't be afraid. Step into the life that God has for you, both as a person, but also for us as a church. God's calling us to great things. You just look around you what God has done in the last 22 years. It's just incredible what God is doing. How many people, how many thousands and thousands and thousands of people God has already blessed through this God's church. So the great thing about all-in people, all-in people change the world for good. Say that with me. All-in people change the world for good. That's who all-in people are. Now look, look what happens next in the book of Numbers. The scripture says, none of the people who have seen my glory and the signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have tested me these 10 times and have not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I swore to give to their ancestors. So the grumblers, the complainers, those who chose not to move, not to do the things of God, not to be around the things of God and do the things God was asking them to do. Right. God said, let's go into the land of milk and honey. They said, no. Well, guess what? God honors their request. So they don't go. Right? The complainers, the grumblers, the stay still people, they, they don't go. God's not punishing them. He just doesn't make them do what they don't want to do. None of those who despise me shall see it. It's just the way it's going to be. But my servant Caleb, ah, oh, there he is again. My servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit. He's not like the complainers, the grumblers, the standstill, the cowards. No, because he has a different spirit and has followed me wholeheartedly. Caleb is all in, friends. See that? Caleb is all in. He's different than the rest of the world, right? He's all in for God and what God is doing and it blesses him and his family and generations to come. I will bring into the land into which he went, Caleb, and his descendants shall possess it. You can trust in God's goodness. 
go with God. You'll, he'll never fail you or forsake you, ever. You can trust in God. That's what faith's all about. And friends, our world is desperate for this kind of all-in faithfulness. Dallas Willard, who is a, a great mentor of mine uh, for years until his passing, he said this, The world can no longer be left to mere diplomats, politicians, and business leaders. They have done the best they could, no doubt. But this is an age for spiritual heroes. A time for men and women to be heroic in their faith and in spiritual character and power. The greatest danger to the Christian church today is that of pitching its message too low, too easy. Oh, whatever you want. Oh, that's okay. You know, come when you want. Do what you want. Help when you can. You know, just whatever's good for you. Whatever, you know, whatever you need to do from your lazy boy, right? Not your worker boy, but your lazy boy chair. Now, I'm not beating up my friends online. We are so glad that you're with us. But we are to do more than just turn the TV on. God has important stuff for you to do right where you are. And so and you can do that from right where you are. So how do we do this? How do we do it together? Well, friends, as United Methodist, what it means to be all in, we are all in with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. If you're a member of a United Methodist Church, you have taken those vows to be all in for those five things. Now, I don't know that you may know this. We don't talk about this a lot, but we don't have different levels of membership here with different expectations. We don't have like gold member members and silver member members or platinum members. We don't do that. No, we have members. We have people who are all in for Jesus with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. That is what it means to be Methodist. That's our method of changing the world. So Acts 2 Methodists are all in people who change the world for good, for good who put in 30 water wells. We'll put in our 30th water well this December. Who feed the hungry, who care for the homeless, who live and love and grace people who have babies and who have uh, loved ones who die. We show up, we bless, we pray, we care. Now, again, that's not something that your staff does for you. That's something that we do as church, as the people of God on mission of God. This week, friends, I want to focus in on children. We are all in for children at this church. If you've been a part of our church very long at all, you know this to be true. And why? Because Jesus was all in for children. In the book of Matthew, it says it this way. Then little children were being brought to him in order that he might lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples spoke sternly to those who brought them. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of heaven belongs. Jesus was all about blessing the children. And so this week we asked our leaders of our children, what do you most need prayer for right now? And so we're so thankful for Mandy Horniber, our children's day out director and our nursery coordinator. And this is the prayer that she asked us to pray for her this week. Uh, If you'll say it with me, pray for the young families and children of our church and CDO that they always feel and know that they are loved and safe here. I hope you'll be praying with me that, uh, that all week. And not only do we have a wonderful CDO, that's Monday through Thursday, 9.30 to 2.30, but we've also been asked uh, for years now, I, I really need more than that. I need all daycare from before school till after school. When are you going to open a daycare? I see the new building. When are you going to open the daycare? Well, in response to that, uh, yesterday, we, we taped these on Wednesday. Um, yesterday, on Tuesday, we hired Donna Legard, 
she joined our staff to build and direct a full daycare for up to 90 children. We can be licensed for up to 90 children with the space that we built. And so here she is. I want to introduce you to her. Uh, here's Donna Legard, our daycare director. Um, but of course, she doesn't have anything to direct. She's got an empty gym uh, and a lot of rooms, but we don't have any kids yet or teachers yet. So be praying for her. Uh, she's brand new to the staff. And so on her very first day of work, we asked her, Donna, how can we be praying for you? And so she was really gracious and said this, pray for me to develop relationships with my new church family. That's a great prayer. And find awesome teachers for our child care center. I hope that you will. I hope you'll be praying that uh, those children that need care will, will come and let us know. And those teachers and assistant teachers uh, that are going to be a part uh, of this child care work, that they will show up to bless the kids of our community, that God will bring us just the exact right people and we'll be able to have the wisdom and discernment um, to start this daycare at the right time under God's leading. So on September 13, this coming Monday, we as a church will make our first payment of $24,448.43 on our new facilities. This is, this is what we're going to do each and every month um, from now on for, for a good bit until we pay it off. And so we thank you. If you're giving into our church, we thank you that you're making a difference. You're changing lives for children, youth, and adults. And so when it comes to our ministry uh, with children on Wednesdays and Sundays, uh, we turn to our children's director, who you know very well by now, Megan Durham. Each and every week, you see her, her here online, and she cares for our children both here in person and online. So on Wednesdays and Sundays, Megan Durham leads our children's ministry here and online. Um, this summer, she was at camp with our little sunshine campers, some of the very youngest ones. Here they are at the top of Camp Canyon at the cross. She also was there uh, to help us with Growing in Grace Camp. And uh, we thank all the volunteers like the Roses uh, that go to camp with our kids. It's such a great time. And then, of course, uh, we know as the kids get older right before youth group, um, it is so fun to have Club 45 exclusively for our fourth and fifth graders. They have great night events. Here they are out uh, making some artwork together. And uh, can't wait to get those kids in youth group. And, of course, each year we have Bible school. And we just had an incredible Bible school again uh, this summer um, with which is an awesome group of kids. So when we asked Megan, how can we be praying for you? She says this, pray for more awesome volunteers who will invest in the kids' spiritual journey and for the children to have a deep understanding of how much God loves them. There's nothing greater than that than for the children of God to know God's love. So when the kids graduate out of the children's department, they come up to Taylor, Taylor Trousdale, uh, our youth director. And on Wednesdays and Sundays, Taylor Trousdale leads our 6th through 12th grade student ministries. We've got confirmation starting this week, um, and then uh, 7th and 8th grade, and then 9th through 12th grade. And so Camp Spark for 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, they did that this summer. Uh, Here they are. And so, again, we thank the volunteers. And one of the great things is, Our children and youth ministry is so so strong that oftentimes those students will come back and serve. So here's Morgan Wright right here. Uh, She's in college. She came back and helped serve at Camp Spark with our 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. And then our senior high kids, Day Spring Camp. Here they are. There's wonderful Chantel in front of me and a whole wonderful group of students. I can't even tell you what it is like, the joy that we see uh, in worship and through the week at camp. And I also can't really explain to you how tired you are when you come home from camp. And those youth who get to go to camp and do all those wonderful things, they also are learning to serve. That's who they are. So they come to Bible school and they serve the little ones. That's how it works. The college kids serve the 
high schoolers, the high schoolers serve. The junior high and the junior high serve. The kids, all of them together doing the ministry of God, and they learn it from the very beginning. And they get to have fun, too. Uh, last time, it was a messy game night, having just a wonderful time here at the church. So we asked Taylor, how can we be praying for you as you lead all of these students? And she says, well, really? Pray for the right adults. I mean, if, if you're not yet serving in a children or youth capacity, um, pray about that. If God lay that on your heart, we need really wonderful mentors for our kids. Pray for the right adults to serve and pour into our students' lives. And we're so thankful for those of you who have, who are, and who are considering and who will bless our students in the future. So our action steps for this week, right where you are, I want to ask that you be intentional to be all in for our children's ministry, to pray for Mandy and for Donna, for Megan and for Taylor as they lead hundreds of God's kids. And I also want you to ask God to give you the power to be an all-in person of prayer. If, if, if you've tried before and you failed, okay, we'll try again. We're going to try again together. And we're going to ask God to make us all-in people of prayer. And as we do that, receiving the power of God, then we are going to pray. And we're going to let it transform our life. We're going to start our day with prayer, uh, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and at bedtime. Five times a day, we're going to pray and have God transform our lives, which will transform our church, and we pray transforms the world. And so I invite you now to start this prayer pattern with me this day, right where you are with this prayer. Will you pray with me? All in God, who gave your entire life on the cross for me, grant me courage for the facing of this hour. Remind me that my disobedience is simply a lack of trust in you and your goodness. Forgive my unbelief that I prefer to call prudence. My fear that's often masked as good sense. You call your church on a world-transforming mission. Give me eyes of faith to trust you and follow in courageous obedience. In Jesus' name, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.